Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Babajide Ashegbeloi, um, and I just want to welcome us to um, this July's edition of Epikawa, um, which is um, in partnership with Passion Incubator, um, and most importantly, um, Di Design Thinkers Academy. Um, and um, we're very excited by today's edition of Epikawa. Um, for those of us who are joining in for the first time, um, Epikawa is a monthly program designed by or born by FCMB, um, and it is typically supported by Passion Incubator. And I'm basically, um, Epikawa is a program where we bring um, seasoned practitioners in the tech ecosystem. Um, business leaders, um, individuals with impeccable record, um, individuals who have um, the depth of experience um, across um, different facets of innovation and the tech ecosystem. Um, we bring them to um, this program to have um, an art-to-art conversation around specific teams. Um, today's program um, would be facilitated by um, Dr. Olukunle A. Inyoda, who is um, the managing partner um, at Design Thinkers Academy Nigeria. Um, and we're very, very excited um, because um, he's experienced deeply um, in this area. And this is also a very important team for product managers, um, tech founders um, that are working to scale their products. Um, tech founders also that are just still trying to move from ideation to their minimum viable product. Um, so this kind of conversation is usually very important. Um, so it's, 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 it's going to be an interactive one um, where um, Dr. Inyoda will be spending um, 20, 30, 35 minutes to talk us through this fantastic team. Um, and uh, members um, that have joined in are able to ask questions. Um, today's event will be coordinated by Patrick. Patrick Igwe um, of um, Lead Space by Passion Incubator. Um, so he would be handling the Q&A session um, as soon as Dr. Olukunle Inyoda is done. So I will... Welcome everyone once again. Um, I'm to... Do Dr. Inyoda. Thank you. Welcome, Dr. Vinju, amongst us. Um, and we are honored for you to take time out of your busy schedule um, to have this fantastic conversation with us. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, uh, Babajide. I think uh, at this point, uh, I'd like to just uh, put on my video, if that is uh, okay with you. Is that okay? 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Once, once right. it doesn't so, affect um, your network and you can, um, you know, I'll project try. and speak to them. <laughs> I, will, I will try. I will try. Now, um, can I, I need to share my screen right now, if you permit me. Yes, sir. You can share your screen. All right. Okay, can you see my screen now? Hello? Yes, we can. All right. Well, I want to say good afternoon uh, to you all. It's a pleasure for me to be here um, this uh, afternoon to meet all these incredible people uh, digitally. We're going to have, you know, um, some few minutes that we'll spend together. Like Baba Gide has introduced me. I'm uh, uh, of uh, Design Thinkers uh, Group, and uh, Design Thinkers Group is an innovation uh, agency in 26 countries. So uh, I happen to be the one coordinating the West and Central Africa. So uh, I've heard so much about you know uh, this program, and I need to commend the FCMB for putting this together and Passion Incubator. Thank you so much. Now, I will, it's going to be very interactive, uh, as been said. And the question to start with, and I want you to just put it in the chat. Can any of us just think of a great experience in your life? Maybe even when you are young. Maybe even something as recent as uh, two minutes ago. Or maybe while you were in primary school and all of that. What do you consider to be a great experience? One experience that you can never forget. And what make it a great experience to you? What make it to wow you? Can we respond mm. to that? Just send it by chat. Think of one great experience. And I use this as, a, uh, as an illustration. For this guy, you know, the opportunity to skydive is a great experience. Something he has never, ever, you know, done before. Uh, if you ask uh, Jeff Bezos or Richard Branson, of everything that they've achieved in their life, one experience that will stand with them forever, in spite of all that they have achieved, is to be able to travel to the head of space. All right. So this afternoon, can you tell me one experience that has stand the test of time with you on anything? Can we just please respond very fast to chats? I'm here to see any response. You know, you're responding uh, to my questions will make me to know that you are there, that you're all there, that I'm not just talking to computer, right? Uh, that's, that's just a joke, by the way. So let's think of that experience, and I want you to post it. If you don't answer, we may not be able to progress. First time I spoke in a crowd of thousands, you know, was a great experience you know, for this person. Travel to space. Have you traveled to space? <laughs> you know, what is it? Something you have experienced. It could be in consuming a product. It could, it could just be anything. Just think out. Uh, from, I think we have about 20-something people here. 
So I would like to see, only two have responded. Can we get more? Oh, this person said that he's able to generate a paid customer. It's a great experience. You know, I remember when I started what I'm doing, the first time a client wrote me a check it was also a great experience. The day my exam script was remarked and I was able to win the overall best student award in chemistry was a great experience. All right. And uh, this person said, to be honest, I don't have. Well, it's not a crime not to have. And uh, like what they say, design thinking or human centered design, there is no right or wrong answer. Okay. Eating noodles with chicken. I love that. All right. So we can go. And let me just look at something as simple as eating noodles with chicken. There are food you will eat and you just say, wow, this is a good food. The good food may be because it tasted good. However, we have also seen that a good food that tastes very good can be compromised or can be marred by a, good experience, by a bad experience. First time I went on the boat cruise, it's a great experience. All right, so we can go on and on uh, like that. We do have, at one time or the other, a great experience. You must have heard something that he said, attention brings affection. So the person that you give more attention to is actually the one that you probably love the most. I call our generation M2D generation. And what do I mean by that? M2D generations means married to device. And if you look at these people, you know, in a train station, or if you just go out, you know, on a typical day, just go anywhere on the road, you will see as people are walking, they are also playing with their phone. Why? Why are they doing all of that? So, doesn't that tell us that we spend more time with our phone than anything else, with our, you know, uh, personal devices than everything else? And why do we spend such time, ungodly time sometimes, on our personal devices? Is it, is it not because you are getting some experience? Now, if people are glued to their personal devices, doesn't that tell us that that is a space where we need to play? And in playing in that space, we must be ready to play well because everyone on the face of service planet goes there. Virtually everyone, not everybody, but virtually everybody goes there. So how do I now come up with something that will stand the test of time? something that is designed for the way human thinks. So we said human reactions to designs. We react differently to design because we are limited in our attention. We are limited in time. We are limited in energy. We are limited in money. We are limited in endurance. We are limited in willpower. Let me quickly talk about that. Limited in attention. If you send to my phone a lot of messages, the probability that I'm going to read all of them may be very slim. Why? Because the attention span is very short. And that's why you see that the digital marketers will tell you that, or the copywriters will tell you that there is a way you write for the web. If you write for the web like you are writing a textbook, nobody's going to take a look at it. So if you want to advertise yourself, you want to place yourself there, you must be able to, you know, present yourself in a way that you can be easily identified because our attention span is very limited. 
Also, one of the things that make us to react very differently is because of time. So if you design a website that is very difficult, extremely difficult for you to navigate, but you know, for people to navigate, they will just jump and go somewhere else. The reason why people go to Amazon was because Amazon has been able to develop an e-commerce platform that is almost second to none. you know, advice to it that is already given to you by Amazon that will enable you to understand perfectly what else you may need to consider, what else you may need to look for. All right? And when we talk about energy, the energy that is required to do anything that anybody does must be very, very, especially when you're talking about digital things, must be very, very low. People don't want to spend so much energy trying to navigate, you know, your system. If the experience is not seamless, they are going to junk it, all right? Then we talk about money. Also because they have limited amount of money that they want to spend, so they will react, I mean, they will respond to your design differently. Even if you have given them the best of design that doesn't tally with what they have in their pocket, there's a way they're going to respond. Then endurance, you know. So we have to know as designer that when you need to design, you must look at it from this perspective, from the human perspective, that tells you that there is a limitation, limitation of attention, limitation of energy, limitation of time, limitation of money, limitation of endurance, limitation of willpower. And because there is a limitation, the way we design for our users must take into consideration all of those things. Then also don't forget that human, in taking decisions, our decisions can be based on, can be a conscious decision, decisions or it can be an unconscious decision, all right? We talk about unconscious bias, which is something that we see, you know, several times I've gone somewhere, I mean, I've gone up, and people will look at me, and a lot of people will speak Hebrew to me, even though I'm a Yoruba person. Why? Because there is a bias that made them to say, you know, maybe it's only an ego person that look light and like this. And I have to say, you know, I'm not Igbo, I'm Yoruba, okay? So we always have, and you know what? If I didn't say anything, and as soon as I didn't even have to say anything, and they just assume and, you know, that I'm evil and I've gotten favor in the process. <laughs> and also, when you talk about in terms of conflict, do you know that if you have an unconscious bias that is already stereotyped some certain type of people in a particular way, they can be in crisis. So what we are saying is that as you design, you must be conscious of your conscious bias that's when you need energy and everything to process. The unconscious bias, you don't need energy to process. It's already stored there. It's an automatic response system. And you have to know that in, in, in your user's you know, unconscious mind, how would they connect to that solution you know, that you have given unto them? So the unconscious bias or the, the unconscious part of us make us to use shortcuts. It's the shortcuts we need to use to make quick decisions whether we like it or not. And let's not forget that context is everything, that our decision most time is shaped by the situation we find ourselves. And except you understand that situation, as a designer, you may be designing wrongly.
I always say that uh, uh, solving uh, right problem with wrong solutions. So yes, you've identified that this is the problem, but if care is not taken, you will be solving it with the wrong solution. All right? So in order to help users' decision, we need to conceptualize our designs. We need to conceptualize our solutions. We need to place it properly in a way that it connects to human mind. The essence of design is to solve a problem. There is no design for design's sake. Either you are designing a house, either you are designing a policy, either you are designing a digital product, it is to solve a problem. Either. So if you want to touch the minds of your users, you must understand their expectations, you must understand their desires, you must, you must understand their anticipation, all right? And sometimes the one we don't even look at is emotions. I always advise that if you say you are in the digital space, you need to get some psychology to be part of your team. There is no big digital you know, organizations today that don't have tons and tons of psychologists because psychologists have been trained to have a better understanding of the way human mind works. But if you just say, you know what, I'm just the only one, I want to do everything on my own, blah, 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 you'll be missing out something. Your friend may be a psychologist, you may even want to consult them. You want to understand the way human beings will respond, you know, to this thing. And that led us to what we call human-centered design. Human-centered design, uh, which we also call design thinking, we said is a problem-solving philosophy that empower a team, organization, or individual to be able to design a product, service, or systems, or an experience that address the core needs of those who experience the problem. Most times we say people should work, we should work in the shoes of users. That is empathy. So working in the shoes of the users means that put yourself in their situations. And if you don't put yourself in their situations, how can you help them to solve their problem? Okay, so let's re rethink the experience. How can you be sure that your product or your services give an exceptional experience? I always say that we are in the experience economy. So anybody want to compete today, don't compete on product or price. Compete on experience. The experience that you are giving, you know, to uh, to your audience will determine how far your product is going to go. So when we talk about human-centered designs, we said we must develop an obsessive focus on getting a deeper understanding of the perspective of the users. In design thinking, we call it an outside-in approach. Outside-in approach means that you gather things you know, from outside, you gather insight from outside, either through observations, either through experiment, either through questionnaire, whatever it is, to form the solution. Unlike before, in which we use inside an approach, in which we design something and we just push it out to for people, you know, to see. Now, how can we, as a designer, see things? I mean, how can we design for the human mind? Number one, we must see with your eyes. So you must. The first thing you want to do is to take out your bias and make sure that you see with the eyes of the users. That is the first thing you got to do. And you must hear with their ears. Think with the mind of the users. So we say, see with their eyes, 
hear with their ears and think with their mind. So when you want to think as a designer, there is a time you have to think as a designer and there is a time you need to think as a customer or as a user. Somebody is going to use that product. Somebody must be able to play the devil advocate in what you do. Don't surround yourself with uh, the illusions of, of, of group things, of people who just tell you what you want to do. Oh, you know, how, how does this product look? Oh, it looks very nice. And you are happy and you just roll it out like that. We always talk about extreme users. And extreme users means that if you want to come up with an innovative product, you must take in extreme users. And that is like a bell, bell shape, okay? The extreme right of the spectrum, 5%. The extreme left of the spectrum, 5%. Now, the extreme left of the spectrum may mean those who will not but continually use your product, either good or bad. The average is where you have the 90%, okay? Which are just the average users. Now, on the extreme right, it could be another 5% of people who will not ever use anything, do anything with your product. So you want to get the perspective of these two people because you have discovered that in the process, it enables you to innovate better. So as you design, you take into cognizance your extreme users. And you must have heard of a phrase that said human mind is very deep. Okay? Why do they say human mind is deep? What does that mean? And that is where empathy comes in. Empathy is telling you that you need to go deep into that inner mind and discover what the problem is. And that's why most times we say, in interacting with your UB users, these are the things you have to take cognizance of. Take cognizance of what they say, Take cognizance of what they do while you are talking to them. Take cognizance of where, I mean, what they think and how they feel. Now, we may not have any problem with what they say because that's what they are telling us. And I always tell people that if you want to innovate, you have to go beyond what people are telling you into what they are not telling you. Okay? All right, and in terms of what they do, of course, you can see what they do. You can quickly say, oh, this is what they are doing. What, but in terms of what they think, how do you know what they think? For you to know what they think, you must, you must walk in their shoes. You must be able to connect to their mind. And in terms of how they feel, you know, as well. So why do people struggle? You know, there is this outfit syndrome that we have. You have your, you wake up in the morning, you want to go to office and you struggle. What should I wear? White shirt, black pants, or should I wear gown, red gown, or should I wear skirt suit, or should I wear, you know, um, pants suit and all of that? What color should it be? And all of that. Why do we get confused about that? And sometimes this is what happened. After we have gone back and forth thinking of what to wear, all of a sudden we can just spot something. Maybe it's blue. Oh, this will look good. And regardless, at that time, our unconscious bias comes in. Oh, I think blue will look good. And sometimes we just pick it. Now, you compare that with your customers. And I use this shelf as an illustration. If you go to a typical supermarket, you see that there are tons and tons of products. But if you say you want to buy green tea, for instance, there are tons and tons of green tea. If you want to buy herbal tea, there are tons and tons of herbal tea. So the question is, how would they be able to spot your products? 
and for the consumer, this is the one I want to pick. Don't forget that they haven't tasted it. They don't even know what it looks like, but your packaging. So, so when it comes to the digital product, are we able to package it in a way that consumers are able to say, you know what, this looks good? All right? So that it connects to their inner. Now, in designing, you have to know that there is, there is a tension between familiarity and novelty. Are you, do you want to do what is familiar? Or do you want to do what is novel? We have to know that there is also tension between rationality and intuition. And we have discovered that when we become too rational, it squeezes out the juice of innovation. But when you see intuition, people just follow their the, the, the gut feelings. You know, they will say my gut feelings, and they just follow that. So in your design, you have to see: Are you following your gut feeling, or are you trying to be very rational? What about explorations? Do you want to explore? Explore means just wonder, just go for that things that is not seen. You don't even know what you are going to discover, or do you want to exploit? All right. So some of the challenges that we have seen is how do you manage your unseen expectations? Because you don't know that expectation. So how do you manage it? How do you overcome stereotypes? How do you anticipate the anticipations of your users? And I always say this, as a designer, yours is to solve problem. It's not to create further puzzle. So when you design, in which somebody has to figure out and say, oh, what, is, what exactly is he trying to say? Oh, what is this trying to communicate? Then you are, you are giving them a puzzle and not a solution. So you must know as designers that your business is to come up with a solution, not to develop a further puzzle, not to further complicate things. And we can, we can, we can develop, we can introduce puzzle if you use, you know, excessive, complicated technical jargons, you know, for instance. Because sometimes we want to let people see that, you know, I really know this job. And we come up with a lot of technicalities that had no value to your users. All right. So the road to success is to discover what your audience, eatings, anticipation, and stereotypes must be. Whether we like it or not, there are a lot of stereotypes there, stereotyping. And we must be able to understand that stereotypes. Okay? So to create a great experience, we say you must pursue relentlessly. We must be fearless, we must be vulnerable, we must be comfortable with ambiguity. In design thinking class, we always talk about com being comfortable with ambiguity. Okay? We always talk about quantity over quality in terms of when you need to generate ideas, that you get as many ideas as possible. Okay? Then you need to be fearless. And that's why we talk about intuition and rationality. There's a tension between intuition, I mean, intuition and rationality, right? So if you become too rational, it will squeeze out the juice of innovation. And sometimes you've got to be relentless. So relentless, you want to discover what is it that this guy is saying? Or what is it that he's not saying? What is he thinking? Yes, he has said, he has said that. But what are those things that he's not saying? I want to make sure that you discover exactly those things that he's not saying. And it is that reason that makes us to say, well, you know what? Sometimes customers don't know what they want. You must have heard that. Customers don't know what they want. But I want to say that customers know what they want, but the problem is that they don't know how to express what they want. And it's your, it's your, it's your, it's your 
duty as a designer to 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 discover that thing and say it in a way that they will understand it and that's why in in design thinking class we always talk about job to be done so what is the job to be done for that customer you must you must understand it that what is, what is it trying to achieve take for instance in those days you want to go to lagos there was no phone you have to travel from uh, Sokoto, you know, to Lagos. But today, you can just call anybody on phone. Now, when I travel from Lake, from Sokoto to Lagos to go and see my brother, to ask for school fees, my job to be done is to get money from my brother. My job to be done is not to travel on the road. All right? So there's no technology that says, oh, you know what, you can make a call and your brother will wire it to you by 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 uba you know or fcmb or zenith bank or this or that transfer okay the customer may not be able to tell you that however the customer knows exactly what he wants but he doesn't know how to express it okay so it's extremely important now beyond the look and feel sometimes also we just spend time on look but we say design must go beyond making things look good but make them look great. Design is about experiences. So if you look at this, this, this image, you probably will get confused. What am I looking at? Okay, am I looking at muffins? Or am I looking at chihuahua? So what experience are you creating? And which one we, 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 we stand out, you know, for your customers here? How do you make your design to be elegant? to be efficient, to be delightful. This is the work of a designer. And I always say that be careful of banana peels. So in designing for human minds, there are banana peels. Some of those banana peels include something like an exclusion. So ask yourself, the solution that you are designing, is it an inclusive solution? Don't forget my illustrations of you know, extreme users, okay? So if your design is done in a way that it's just exclude, unnecessarily exclude those who are supposed to be a beneficiary of that solution, then something is wrong with that design. Or is our design just to show our technical prowess? Or do we just come up with a design that is one size fit all? What about your own personal bias? Your personal bias that says, you know what, well, I love color red. So automatically, the, I'm going to design my website with red. And I believe that the users will love color red. All right, color red may be, may be shouting. But what about somebody who, have, who is color blind? Are you conscious to say, okay, I'm designing this website or this digital apps in such a way that it's able to accommodate those who are even color blind? And another banana pills is when inclusion is treated as an afterthought or just uh, a policy thing. That's the banana piece for designer, you know, right there. And when you do all this, you are not actually, you are not going to create a delightful experience, neither will you be designing for the mind of a human. And I always say that another thing is, okay, we talk about the pairing over technical language, over enthusiastic branding strategy. You know, sometimes we also get lost by overbranding our solution. 
And the question you want to ask yourself, yes, why the branding is good? Who are you? When you do the branding, you're advertising yourself. You are not actually solving the client's problem. So do not emphasize your branding at the expense of the experience the solution is giving. And to reach your customers, you must understand your customer level of sophistication. Okay? This is also extremely important that when you want to design, because you are talking of human beings, people who are rational, people whose mind is deep, people who have choices, people who can make decisions, and most times their decisions will be biased and it could be unbiased. So you must understand their level of technicalities. All right? So to design for human mind, I like what this guy said. Design is really a way of thinking. And human-centered design provides a focus on the people who use the product or service. Over the years, we learned to start with deep observations of people in their natural environment. You know, that's why we talk about ethnographic research. Your users, do you see them in their natural environment? Followed by an interactive cycle of ideations, prototyping, and testing. But before you go into prototyping, addition, and all of that, make sure you are solving the right problem. And that's why we always say that most times you don't know the problem. And if you don't know the problem, you cannot know the solution. Okay? So you come up with a design challenge. And by your ethnographic research, it could be by observations and all of that, you deepen that your design challenge to come up with a, a, a problem statement, which you now reframe to say, okay, this is actually what the customer wants. Design practice in this version is really applied psychology. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to, this, this is not uh, relevant to us. Um, uh, the rest of this is just to, it's not so relevant, but that is the end of uh, this short presentation. The, uh, this last one is to let you see uh, the spread of who we are, what we do as a, as a design thinker, as an academy, uh, and our location, you can't say. So if I go back to my last, I mean, uh, my, 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 uh, my slide, it said design is really a way of thinking. And human-centered design provides a focus on the people who use products and service. So your, 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 your focus must be on the people that will use that product. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for, for, your, for your audience. Now I can take, if you have any questions, let's have the question, please. Okay. Um, thank you very much, Dr. Lukunde. Um, so the session is open right now for questions. Um, you could send in your questions via chats, or you could just unmute yourself and um, go ahead with your questions. Um, so we have five to 10 minutes for the question and answer um, for Dr. Ulukunle to um, get right on it. So the session is open for the house. Um, good afternoon, sir. Hello, sir. Good afternoon, sir. Good evening, sir. Good evening. Yeah, Sorry. Sir. My name is Joseph. Okay, so um, Joseph, um, please let Chisum go ahead. Then after Chisum, you can ask your question. Okay, good. Thank, Thank you, sir. You're welcome, sir. Good afternoon, Mr. Joseph, Mr. Olukunle. Thanks for an insightful session. Uh, my question goes, um, um, during the process of design thinking, right, um, especially when you are trying to solve for, you're trying to um, understand the problem, the problem in depth, are there different um, tools out there to use, such as cause and effect, tree mapping, um, um, what's the empathy mapping address? 
how do you know which is that? So because at the very end, you get confusing trying to identify which tool to use for your problem, uh, to get your problem so and to get your problem statement. So how do you know which tool do you use to actually get um, the problem solution so that you don't have to just do everything? Because at the very end, the whole idea of design thinking is about finding, um, understanding the problem in depth and then get the solution right. So you don't have to go through the process like step by step, but how do you know which tool at exact time to use to actually discover more about the problem? Okay, thank you, thank you so much for that. I always like to, I mean, in design thinking, we use a lot of tools, okay? But I always like to pay down on tools because tools is just a guide. So don't get visited on tools. It's okay, this is what I need to do. But you see, what I always say is that the first thing to do uh, before you talk about any tools is very simple. You have to go on the research. The research, you may want to start by your um, uh, by desk research, may give you an idea, all right? You have an idea of what you think the problem is. The greatest tools you are going to use is when you now go out, right? You already frame your design challenge and you're now asking people, okay, what do you think about this? And you're not like asking them a, a leading question. But like I said, when you want to do that, you don't do it alone, okay? Somebody, when somebody is interviewing them, I always say, let, let us have another person who is studying them, who is taking note. Maybe somebody else is taking note, another person is studying them. Because don't forget, you must know what they are not saying. All right? You must know that thing that they are not saying. So how do you know that thing they are not saying? If you are the one that is interviewing and you are the one that is writing that. Now, it has to be their word. Okay? So you have so many. Maybe you have interviewed 10, 20 people. And it's an in-depth research. So you put it up. You put it together. We only talk about mind map. All right? So you put it together, you now say, okay, look at the keywords in everything that they have said. Look for those keywords. You don't need any bogus tools. You got ordinary paper that I have. You can use it. It's about the fact that we have so many tools. So look at the keywords. What are the things that keep repeating? And you recategorize them. All right? So we talk about, so we talk about affinity map, right? So affinity map means that Categorize each of those key things that they are saying. Oh, this one talk about process. Oh, this one talk about culture. This one talk about system. This one talk about policy. So you put it together. All right. So from that tongues, you have narrowed it down. So what you narrow it down to, you now pick it again and say, okay, I want to test something on policy. I want to test something on, on, the, on culture. You go back again. So you come down. You narrow it down again. By the time you go through this iterative process, you are going to come up with what is the real problem. And we always so when you get out your real problem, the way you are going to do it is to say, how might we help? So don't forget we have a persona. The persona means that even though it's not one person, but that person is a representative of different individuals. Okay, this is what I think is the most effective. And this is the approach that we always use in design thinking. Like I said, don't get fixated on tools. Tool is to guide you. What is important for you to know the process that you must follow. I don't even answer your question. Yes, thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. All right, thanks. Right. Joseph, you can unmute yourself and ask your question. Okay, so uh, good evening, sir. My name is Joseph, once again. I'm a product you know, manager. 
Sir, um, I have a question. You know, I've been hearing this. I want to just know your opinion you know, on this. That you know, there's a universal meaning to all colors. So regardless of where you are, you know, there's always a universal meaning to color. I want to hear your perspective on it. And secondly, what are the criteria to follow when someone wants to select color for a particular product? Mm. What are the which someone needs to just you know consider before you know going for a particular color in order to get the mind of the you know final consumer you know arrested? All right. So let me just start from that. Um, one of the colors that I know that uh, people try to ask you not to use most time, but it's very bright and shiny, is color yellow, for instance. So when you talk about universal color, maybe black is universal, maybe gray is universal. You know, those are you know colors that probably everybody can identify with. But not everybody can identify with color green, for instance. And don't also forget that you have different shades of green. You have different shades of yellow. You have different shades of orange, you know, and all of that. So it is sometimes advisable that you use both colors, you use primary colors, okay? It's, it's, it's advisable that in your design, just think of primary colors. But you know what? I also always try, you know, because I always believe that things should be research-based. It also depends on the kind of product that you are developing, okay? Because take, for instance, FCMB has a color, right? And FCMB color, I think, is a deep, maybe it's a purple. I think it's a deep purple. All right. Okay. So some people may confuse purple with blue. It all depends. All right. So now, if you want to develop other things, other apps, and you want it to be associated with FCMB, you cannot go outside of that brand guide, brand standard, no matter what. Except it's going to be another, I mean, look at this color I'm using. These are color, and I'm using orange, right? Because I want to present to you, I will not have to go and use another color. If, especially if it is fundamental. For this one, I can use any color for you. So when you talk about universal color, you can do your research that it is true that they are universal color, and that means that it's a color that everybody can identify with. It doesn't need too much interpretation. Nobody needs to identify. Black is a universal color. However, if you are using black, blue, some people, and you ask somebody to say, is this thing black or blue? Some people may get confused about it. Okay? So, but I said, what your product would also determine the kind of color that you will use, especially if you are just a startup and uh, your brand is not fully you know, established yet. Thank you. Um, so, Thank do you. we still have more questions in the house? Okay, so if you still have more questions, you can either type it in the chat box or you could unmute yourself and ask your question. All right. Well, no, what are the criteria someone needs to just select? Because what you spoke about is, you know, already existing products, you understand? But, you know, just, you know, imagine this situation where you want to design a new product from the scratch, you understand? What are stuff which I have to just consider before I can go ahead and, you know, picking the color? Because the agenda is to, like, you know, see, you know, you know, preach to the, you know, the vendor consumer, the clients. So how can I just, you know, select that, sir? Okay. Number one, let me tell you that what you are, what you are giving the uh, consumer, what consumers are interested in is the solution is not the color. Let's start from that first. So you must first of all understand the solution. Color is part of a brand. 
You are communicating, right? That's what color is all about. It's, it's a brand. And you can be a bit flexible on that. Now, if you know what your solution is going to be, and that solution has been tested, and now you want to communicate that your solution in a particular way, I'm talking about a startup who is just about to start, who doesn't have any product yet. Once you have established that, that oh, you know what? This is what it is. Another stage could be now you want to test your designs. You want to test your color schemes with your user, with the same users. All right, and they can give you a good advice to say, and what you can do is to come up with different options. So you come up with those different options and you send it out, oh, I need your, I need your opinion on this. And thank God for LinkedIn, a lot of people do that now on LinkedIn. I've seen people that want to publish a book and they will say the, uh, the cover, the cover design for input. Right. So these are things you have to do, but you have to know that the first thing that come out first is your solution. Um, more often than not, the kind of solutions that you are trying to uh, sell to the market may also inform the kind of colors you are going to use. That's what I want to say, because like I said, it's not, there's no right or wrong answer you know, in this thing. What is important is for you to know your customer job to be done and for you to develop a solution that get them to do the job. Okay. How, how about totem, sir? How about what? Totem. The natural oh, object. Totem. Eh? Totem, T-O-T-E-M. Yes. A natural object. It is not to represent a particular you know, brand with. Yes. You know, yes. Okay. So I mean, so it's also in the same. It's also in the same. It's also in the same. You know, thing. You want to represent a particular product in whatever you know, uh, in whatever manner you feel that that thing should be is well presented. You know, you must understand your users. You must understand your audience. Don't forget the other time I talk about users' uh, uh, sophistication. Take for instance, if you talk about abstracting, there are people that will tell you that I'm not a lover of abstracting. You will confuse my brain. All right. So some people want it to be like a 3D. They want it to be real. So if you if you look at architectural design, for instance, not too many people can you know interpret that. If you see some artists and they come up with something, not too many people can understand that. So the first thing you want to do is, who are your customers? If you know your end users, then that will inform you as to the level of sophistication that you can go with them. But if you don't know them, then there's going to be a problem because you may want, especially, you know, we sometimes we have it, uh, we, we, we can fall into the temptation of, oh, this is the new thing that is going on there, and I want to tell people that I know about it, I will just push it out. All right? Oh, this is a new methodology. I remember at the time people were talking about design thinking and design thinking, and a lot of people are just messing it up. But you know what? It's what is in vogue. Okay. So what you want to do as a designer is to say, who are my customers? And how best can I communicate my ideas to these users? That's all I can say you know, on that. Yeah. Thank you very much, sir. And I appreciate you. Okay, so um, right now, uh, we still have two minutes for the question and answer. And in absence of none, um, we will move, move on with the session. So do we still have more questions in the house? Okay. Good evening. Good evening. Please go ahead. Please go ahead. Yeah. Um, good evening, sir. Thank you very much for the session. 
Um, so I have one very simple question. I want to find out in a case where it's the designer's frustrations that is le leading him to coming up with a new product. Say you have a frustration in a particular area or sector and you're trying to come up with a product to solve that problem. Do you still have to go through the whole um, user research? Yes. Or, or you just work with that frustration in that sense of, okay, you're sure you're not the only one going through this problem. So you're trying to solve the problem for yourself and it ripples out to or down to solving the problem for some other people or everyone else that has the same frustration. Okay, thank you so much. What you're saying, as a matter of fact, most of the things that you have in the world today, either the spandex, you know, uh, that doesn't give a trace, which is an undies that doesn't give a trace for a woman, or either you're talking about emails, or either you're talking about a telephone. They were as a result of personal frustration, right? But having said that, while you are trying to solve that problem for yourself, you still need that research to know how many people are affected by this problem. It's not on many occasions that you're going to see a problem that you are facing and it's affecting everyone and there's no solution to it. In that one, you can say, you know what, if I solve this, I've solved this problem for everyone because I'm sure that everybody is going through the same problem. Okay? Take for instance, I want to give you Lagos. Okay, so there's traffic problem in Lagos. Do you need a research if you have, if to say you have uh, um, a product that can teleport people from point A to point B, maybe you say, you know what, I don't need the research for it. But you might be wrong. You know why I say you might be wrong? Is that, are you sure that people want to be teleported? You may be saying that, oh, there's traffic, people don't like traffic. But do you even know whether being in that traffic is solving problem for some people? Let me give you an instance. In California, you know, uh, there are red Indians on the mountains. And these people, and I'm talking about something of about 50 years ago, they grind, you know, they grind the meal with their hands, just like how we do it in Africa, in which we use, you know, like grinding stone and all of that. So some group of people, some group of uh, NGOs and all of that, they'll say, oh, we can make life easier for these people. They don't have to go through this. Nobody wants to grind there with, uh, uh, with grinding stone in this day and age. So what they did was to come up with some fine grinding machines, you know, and all of that. And they gave it to these people, okay, so that something that would take them one hour to do before with the grinding machine and with the electricity and everything, it would take them like five minutes. Guess what? Nobody used it. They try it. After a week, they don't use it anymore. You know what? Because their problem is not grinding the, uh, I mean, using the grinding stone. The time that they are grinding, that they, they are doing that grinding, the surround is always in the evening and they surround them, themselves with other neighbors. They surround themselves with their, uh, with their families, with their kids. And knowing that, they tell stories, you know, and all of that. And people enjoy that. They enjoy that commonality in which, oh, we are able to have fun. We are eating while we are grinding. We are talking while we are grinding. We are telling stories while we are grinding. Now, we have this grinding machine that make that to, to dissolve. We don't want it. All right? So what I'm saying is that you must know 
the job to be done for the customers. For those people, it's a crude way of saying, you know what, this system works, it brings us together. So what do they want? Do they want to be together? Or is it, a, is it a grinding machine that they required? So even though you think, and as, don't forget when I say an outside-in approach, that an inside-out approach. If you feel oh, this is a personal frustration for me, I don't need to talk to anybody. I will just solve the problem, develop the solution. That is an inside-out approach. It's a traditional approach that designers have used that failed. Okay, but when you recognize that personal frustration, take that personal frustration out to go and confirm how many people are affected by this. And would they want this solution? So that's what I can say uh, in that uh, regard. All right, thank you. Okay, so in absence of no further questions, um, I would like to say thank you, Dr. Lukunde. Uh, on behalf of everyone from Passion Incubator and from FCMB Hub One, thank you for taking out time from your busy schedule to enlighten us. And um, I must say, a very interactive session. Um, so, because of we are strapped for time, um, I'll have to just say thank you, everyone, for joining in. Um, please do look out for the recorded session because it was an enlightening one to look out for the recorded session it will be shared um, again thank you very much doctor for looking thank you me. thank you so much uh player to have you guys thank you i also want to add my own thank you too so that's <laughs> double or triple thank you sir thank you thank you um, thank you yes it, it was a very a very insightful session and I'm sure that members of our community, uh, different communities uh, would also find the recorded version um, very um, insightful. So thanks a lot uh, and thank you for taking our time to join us. Thank uh, you. Thanks a lot, thanks a lot. Have a lovely evening and a good weekend. Bye-bye. And you too, sir. <laughs>